0: And uh, the four-year-old stands up and says, what he's talking about is Jesus lives in my heart. And it was the cutest thing ever. And everything in me wanted to say, no, he doesn't.
1: (laughs) (laughs) This is Warrior Podcast, changing the world by introducing warriors to the warrior God. I'm your host, Elizabeth Andrade, here with Connor Shanahan. So when my husband and I first got married, We were not living in America. We were living in another country. And he was working. So a lot of the times I had to try and survive on my own speaking a a foreign language. And I could not even begin to express myself in the way that I could in English. Mm -hmm. For example, like I would want to explain the depth of what I was feeling or the depth of what I had experienced, and I just couldn't because my vocabulary was not advanced enough. So I think about that, and I think about trying to talk about God in another language that I barely spoke, and I feel like I can't even speak about God proficiently in English, so imagine that struggle.
0: No, that makes total sense. That makes total I can't even imagine the difficulty of, <laughs> with with how much, you know, work we've had to put into these conversations on the Trinity, on trying to accurately explain one divine nature, three distinct persons. That's difficult, let alone trying to do that in a foreign country where some of the cues and words and languages and sentences have to be completely rearranged, seems next to impossible.
1: So, like, imagine those colloquial phrases that we have in English, such as, I don't know, accept Jesus into your heart, or Mm. something along those lines, trying to express those things,
0: not only in English, but... In another language, uh, it's just hard to do. Yeah, I'm sure that gets mangled, right? Mm-hmm. And then it, the question comes up, wait, 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 who'd you say lives in me? The, does the Father live in me? Does the Holy Spirit live in me? We're talking about Jesus? Who, who are we talking about?
1: So as humans, um, it's really, I would say impossible. Um, we can describe God in some ways, but we can't fully describe God with our human language because he's not human we are created he's much bigger than us
0: yeah he is he is he's so much bigger and so much greater and we want to be fair like scripture gives us much in order to understand and describe it. there is so much that we can understand about god but there is a little mystery because he is so grand because he is so big as we attempt to describe god there's going to be some limitations right in our language there's going to be some limitations in our understanding Although, again, there is so much that we can't understand about God, there is going to be some mystery and there's going to be some limitations in our language, just as I'm sure when you were in Brazil, there's some, there's some limitations in what you could communicate, right? Whether to a McDonald's drive-thru worker, trying to just get your classic, what's your, what's your go-to McDonald's order?
1: Um, it's a double cheeseburger, large fries and a Diet Coke. Mm,
0: come on, so somebody. easy in English. I so mean, easy, <laughs> but yeah, trying to translate that to Portuguese becomes a, becomes Well, a they don't really
1: have Diet Coke at McDonald's, so.
0: Interesting. They just have regular? Have
1: regular Coke. but and no Coke diet. Zero no diet.
0: You know what's something weird about me? Warrior? I this is going to sound so strange. I only like Coke Zero. Really? Yeah, that's like that's my thing. If I go out, th- I don't drink soda all that much because my wife, my sweet wife who's going to be on this podcast talking about health and nutrition. So excited. is so passionate about health and nutrition, so I don't really drink soda all that much, but when I do, Coke Zero is my thing.
1: Well, you'd like Brazil then because they have a lot of Coke Zero.
0: I could fit in yeah, when we I go down there. In. I'll yeah. fit in just <laughs> fine. That's good. That's good to know. In that culture, though, as you said, it's difficult to... There's a language barrier there. And in some sense, again, we don't want to paint the picture that we can't understand God or that we can't speak about the truth. Our purpose in life is to know God. Facts. That is our whole purpose in life. And we can know God. And there's so much that we can do to describe him and worship him and render the necessary and proper honor and praise that his name is due. But... There is also just a a bit of mystery. I I think that's fair.
1: Limitation. I don't know if limitation, but like, for example, I could communicate in Portuguese. I can Mm -hmm. communicate in Portuguese, but I don't know all the words right I don't speak it proficiently enough to be an expert
0: right that's a really good way to put it and how many times Elizabeth just you and me in this conversation over the past several weeks on the Trinity have we felt that exact way like yeah. we just don't have the words to describe what we're trying to communicate yeah and I think that's the point that's the whole point and that's where we're trying to get at in this conversation is to look at this this common idea that we think is although a colloquial 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 that's a good phrase, although a commonly expressed saying we think is a bit maybe misleading, and we think is it might be a bit not the most helpful way to approach this conversation. And so let me introduce this statement by giving a short story. Just the other week, me and, uh, and my wife and her family, my in-laws were watching a, a church service from home. We were watching the live stream of this church service. Watching with us were, were two young girls that my wife and her mom nanny, pretty much full time. And the two girls are two and four. And so they are dancing around to the worship music. They are trying their best to, uh, to track and to follow along and to understand all the elements of this worship service that's going on. And there was the cutest moment at one point during the worship service. One of the, the pastors stood up at this church and, and was giving an introduction to the sermon. And uh, the four-year-old stands up and says, what he's talking about is Jesus lives in my heart. And it was the cutest thing ever. And everything in me wanted to say, no, he doesn't. <laughs> but that would break her heart, right? It would break her heart. And I loved her desire to see, uh, to see what is happening in that worship service. And her passion to try to communicate that to us was beautiful. It really was. But this is, this is the topic that we're trying to tackle in this episode. The idea of indwelling. And what is indwelling? That's the question. We're going to have to define that one. We're going to have to define that. Indwelling is the idea that God is permanently present in you,
1: Like, in other words, he's living in me.
0: Yeah, that he's permanently present, that he's living in you. And, um, you know, as we've tried to talk about the Trinity, as we've tried to paint this picture of our one God, our one divine essence, one divine nature, eternally existing in three distinct persons, we've tried a little bit to parse out the roles of the persons of the Godhead. We've tried to say that all things happen from the Father, they flow through the Son, and they happen by the power of the Holy Spirit. We've said that the Father initiates and creates, that the Son accomplishes our salvation, and that the, the Spirit of God applies that salvation to us and also sanctifies us, also points us to the Son, to Jesus Christ. And and so the question kind of naturally arises there, and especially as we consider these colloquial phrases, these commonly used phrases, if we're gonna look at the persons of the Godhead and if we're gonna consider this idea of indwelling, who lives in us? Is it the Son? The Holy Spirit? Jesus? Yeah, is it is it the Spirit? Is it is it the Son? And in order to answer this question accurately, obviously we want to be rooted in Scripture and all that we do.
1: Okay, so parts of my life I've heard, you know, Jesus comes into your heart, he lives in your heart, and then I've also heard in other parts of my life that, no, it's the Spirit, the Holy Spirit lives in you after you receive salvation. Right. So what is it?
0: That's a great question, and it's kind of a complicated answer. I don't think it's as easy, cut and dry as maybe we've been told our whole lives. So the idea that we're getting at here is indwelling, okay? And indwelling is essentially the idea that God is permanently present in us, that God lives in us. And certainly this is an idea that we see in scripture. In order to understand this, obviously we want to be rooted in scripture in all that we do. So our kind of short text for the day, we're going to look at one verse and we're going to try to understand this idea of indwelling. What does it mean for God to live in us? Can we narrow it down to one person in the Godhead who lives in us? What does that mean for us? And what does that mean period and so our text for the day for this episode is going to be first corinthians chapter 3 verse 16. would you mind reading that for us elizabeth Sure.
1: don't you know that you yourselves are god's temple and that god's spirit lives in you
0: Mm. so there's a lot going on there let's take just a little bit of time to unpack what's happening in this verse in order to paint the picture of how we are to rightly understand this idea of indwelling and how we are to understand what it is to say that god lives in you so in this verse the apostle paul the author of this verse refers to us as the temple
1: and that's something that's a colloquial phrase we always hear correct we are the temple but um you know this year i've been reading through the scripture and in the old testament we see the temple as a theme throughout scripture so something tells me that being god's temple means a little bit more or something different than maybe we've
0: understood. Yeah, it's it's very specific to your point. It's a very specific reference that the Apostle Paul is uh, driving at here. So the temple in the life of Israel, okay, so in the Old Testament, God had committed to dwell with and live with and work among the people of Israel in order to use them as his people to bless the world. So God desired to bless the world after he created the world and decided to use Israel as essentially the vehicle through which the world would be blessed, his people to represent him and then reveal God's goodness, God's loving nature and character to the rest of the world. So the temple was where Israel would worship. It was where they would meet with God. The temple had very specific rules as to who could enter it, as to how people would gather around it and in it. And the temple also contained this very sacred object of worship, the Ark of the Covenant. This very significant, essentially a box, but more than that, more significant than simply a box, uh, that the Israelites believed contained God's very presence. So the Ark of the Covenant would reside in the temple, and the Ark and the temple itself played a very significant role in Israel's worship and how they would worship God, because they believed that God lived in the temple. They believed that God lived in the Ark. And that is how they would approach him. That is how they would worship him.
1: So from our reading, we know that the temple does not last forever. It is destroyed. So what happens to God's quote-unquote
0: home? That's a huge question for Israel. So if you're familiar with the story of the Old Testament, you know that um, the Israelites, by their disobedience, were essentially sent into exile. And uh, as that happened, their homeland was destroyed. And the temple itself, and the along with the Ark of the Covenant, were destroyed. And so Israel is left in exile in a foreign land being held captive by a foreign nation uh, with the assumption that God could only meet with them in their land, that God could only meet with them in Israel, that God could only meet with them through the temple. And so one of the major points, if not the major point of the book of Ezekiel is the prophet Ezekiel has this vision of God in his temple, reuniting with his people in a foreign land to illustrate the theological point that God cannot be limited to any place or time, that God is above place and time. God is able to work and to minister and to reveal himself anywhere, any place, and any time. God was never limited to the temple or to the Ark of the Covenant. Rather, In the life of Israel, God had chosen to do a special ministry or a special work among his people in order to reveal himself at that time. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, that makes sense.
0: So then the temple is destroyed and the Israelites are in exile, but God still chooses to reveal himself once again to his people. God chooses to appear to his people, to rescue his people, to promise redemption to his people as he meets them in the wilderness, outside of the country, outside of the temple, outside of the Ark of the Covenant.
1: So how does that apply to ourselves today with the verse we just read?
0: That's the question. So in our verse then... The Apostle Paul equates us as the new temple of the Holy Spirit, the new temple of God. So in the Old Testament, God had had desired to bless the world, to reveal his loving nature and character to the nations. And his intention was to use Israel as the means to do that. In the New Testament, God still wants to bless the world. God still wants to reveal his loving nature and character to the world. And the church is now the means through which Christ is revealed to the world by the power of the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? Yes. So in that sense, we are the temple. We as the church, we as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ are the temple. So then, if we are God's temple, we see language like this. We And we should expect, if we are God's temple, to see language like this. As Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 3, that you are God's temple and the spirit of God lives in you. So just as the temple for the Israelites played a significant role, a massively significant role in their worship. They believe that God lived in the temple, that they would meet with God in the temple, commune with God in the temple, and uh, that God would reveal himself to them through the temple and in the temple. Now, if we are to rightly understand the role of the temple, we, we would be in a better position to rightly understand what it means for God to live in us, okay? So just as God in the Old Testament was not confined to the temple, was not restricted to the temple, was able to work in any space in time. However, he decided to do so, yet he did a special work, a special ministry. He revealed himself in a special way in the temple for the Israelites. In the same way, stay with me now, when we say that God lives in us, you have to affirm, yes, God lives in us in some sense, because that's what the scripture says. However, if you ask the more specific question, what does it mean for God to live in us? We would understand rightly, if we understand the temple, that what that most specifically means, what that biblically means is that God is doing a special work in our lives. God is doing a special ministry in us, that God is revealing himself in us and through us in a special way.
1: He's not just sitting in our hearts, vacuuming, cooking dinner, watching TV on the couch.
0: Exactly. (laughs) It might seem silly, but that's my response when people say, well, Jesus lives in my heart. Tell me where, friend. Does he live in your pancreas? Does he live in your left... Ventrilical, ventrilical, right does he live in your aorta like where where does God does not physically live in your heart and that could be crushing to some people if that's all you've been told is Jesus lives in my heart we want to lovingly affirm that yes God lives in you yes God cares for you but the truth of you being a temple the truth of God living in you is so much bigger than Jesus just hanging out in your heart it's that God, the Father, through the Son and by the power of the Holy Spirit, is doing a special ministry in your life, is working specially in your life.
1: That sounds so much more purposeful than Jesus just hanging out watching TV. It
0: is. It is so much more purposeful. And and it might sound like a, like a silly distinction, but I think it's significant. I think we don't enjoy saying things about God that don't carry meaning or that don't carry substance. And if we just flippantly say, God lives in me, Jesus lives in me, the Spirit lives in me, I wanna ask what that means. I wanna understand what that means. And so, indwelling then is is a powerful and particular ministry in which the Spirit of God is sanctifying us, in which he's ministering to us, in which he is writing the law on our hearts. What as, does that mean? As scripture says, yeah, it certainly doesn't mean physically writing the law on our hearts, right? We're not going to die and have our chest cut open and see like actual Hebrew written over. it. That'd be pretty cool. But uh, it's just not going to work like that. Rather, this this metaphorical internalizing the heart within us so that by our nature, we might live out the law. We might live out the word of God. So, this temple language that we see then in 1 Corinthians is the Spirit of God preparing us for glory. The Spirit of God preparing us to live in our eternal paradise with Him forever as we dwell with God forever. As we will be as the church, as the unified collective of God's people, we will dwell with God forever as we were meant to from the very beginning. So, hopefully, what's clear here is that all human language, all of our language that we're using is simply trying to ascribe actions. To a divine being which is difficult and we're specifically trying to to ascribe actions to a divine being who's entering into a covenant relationship with us that is scandalous and mysterious and beautiful and so while phrases like god lives in your heart is helpful i think it it might be i think it is undoubtedly more significant to understand our role as the temple that god is doing a special ministry in us that he is doing a special work in our lives, that he is dwelling with us in a unique and special way, but he's not limited to us. He's not limited to our being. I do not have a monopoly on the Holy Spirit living inside of me. Rather, the Spirit of God is doing a special and powerful and particular ministry to believers, to sanctify them, to bless them, and to use them to then reveal the loving nature and character of God to all people.
1: So I think I'm starting to see the bigger picture here. But you didn't answer my question. Mm. Who lives in
0: us? The best pastor technique is to never answer a question, just to dance around it for all of eternity. But the listeners want to know. But for you, warrior, we'll listen. The warrior wants to know. As we discuss in dwelling, uh, it seems that scripture does place an emphasis on the spirit, doing a special work amongst the believer to sanctify, to reveal, to highlight and illustrate the work of Christ to highlight and illustrate the person of Christ. So it seems as if, as if it would be most accurate to say that the Holy Spirit lives in you. I think that's fair, and I think that's what we see here in 1 Corinthians 3. We certainly don't want to, again, we, we don't want to discount the role of the Father and the Son and the Spirit as one God revealing himself to us and doing a special ministry among us, using us to display their loving nature and character to the world. But it does seem like Scripture does place an emphasis on the Spirit indwelling sanctifying doing a special work in the life of the believer so that we might be used for god's glory
1: kind of sounds like this is a maybe a continuation of the trinity so in other words things happen by the power of the holy spirit the holy spirit works in our lives um to sanctify us and just like jesus is the high priest so when we pray jesus is the high priest who intercedes through us what happens
0: through the son that's incredibly well said that from the father and and through the Son, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we are God's temple to reveal his nature and character to the world. The Trinity is everything. Everything is Trinity. Everything that we see in the Christian faith, that all things come from the Father, through the Son, and by the Holy Spirit. Uh, there's one more thing that I think relates to this conversation that maybe we can kick around for a few minutes. Well, let's do it. Is, uh I think that the, the theological attribute of God that is at play here when we're talking about indwelling is omnipresence. Yeah, omnipresence. What ha- yeah, what have you traditionally been told that omnipresence means?
1: Well, in my experience, what I've understood or what I've heard is that, um, that means that God is everywhere at all times.
0: Right. Right. And that's how it is always taught. And I don't want to discount that. I think that there is truth in that. But again, I think the question might be, what does that mean? Right. What does that most specifically mean?
1: Does that mean we can just reach out and Catch God in our hands?
0: Yeah, it might sound silly, but I think often when this doctrine is taught to say that God is present everywhere, we can maybe even subconsciously understand God to be a gas, gaseous a- substance.
1: He's gas. Floating.
0: <laughs> sorry, Lord, gas. forgive us for heresy. Uh, that he is just floating through the air and that we could reach out and capture some of him. And certainly that's not true. So might I suggest a more specific definition perhaps of omnipresence that God is able to accomplish his will in any place, space, or time. Now, certainly we see an emphasis on God's presence throughout scripture. And so I think of David crying out in Psalm 139, maybe, fact check me on that one, warrior, where he says, God, where can I go from your presence? I cannot escape your presence, that God is able to accomplish his will in any space, place, and time. And that God is, it seems to always be present to David because God is always working around him i think of uh, jesus in matthew where jesus promises to be present where two or more are gathered in his name and i think that that's absolutely true that god does a special work a special ministry among his church among believers gathered together in his name but it might be helpful to this conversation of indwelling what does it mean for god to live in me what does it mean for the spirit to live in me to understand this that this falls under the category i think of omnipresence which might be better understood as not that God isn't a gas around us or not that God
1: are eating chips on the couch in our heart. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Not that he is literally in our pancreas or literally in our heart, but that he is able to accomplish his will in any place in space in time. So hopefully that makes sense to wrap this up. We would affirm as scripture clearly states that God lives in you. We would also press a little deeper and say what that specifically means is that God is doing a unique ministry in your life. God the Father, through the Son and by the power of the Holy Spirit, is shaping you, forming you, making you more like Him so that you can reflect His loving nature and character to the world, for that's His plan. That's His redemptive plan, and that's what He is inviting you into, to be an agent of reconciliation and to make disciples of all people. And in all of this, we're not trying to fully explain the inner workings of the mysterious Trinity, for that might just be impossible to fully understand our triune God. But of what we can understand of how he's revealed himself, which is much, we can understand much about God. And that's through the scriptures. That's God has revealed himself to us through the scriptures. And so our heart here is not to answer every little question or um, fully explain the deepest mysteries of the Trinity, but rather to point you to God, to point you to the scriptures. Uh, For that's where we think joy and purpose is found in God himself. And uh, our heart here is to simply paint the picture of who our God is as he's revealed himself in Scripture. But you, warrior, you have the opportunity, you have the privilege to engage the Scriptures yourself and to ask God to reveal more of himself to you, to ask God to reveal his loving nature and character to you as you faithfully engage the Scriptures. That's the invitation, and that's what the Spirit of God would have for you today.
1: Thank you for listening to us. If you want to trust in Christ, or if you want to learn more about making him the authority over your life, or if you want to learn more about us, send us a message on our Instagram at WGMHQ. That's WGMHQ. We will make sure that someone gets in touch with you. This has been Warrior Podcast with Connor Shanahan. Warrior God Ministries' mission is to change the world by making disciples among military members and first responders and equipping them to be disciple makers and missionaries in their respective communities for the glory of Jesus Christ.